Boy, it's great to be with you here this morning, and uh, Bill, I enjoyed that video. Um, <clears throat> yeah, my name is Charlie Young. This is my wife, Jan. We're really thankful that we can be here today and uh, that we have the opportunity to share God's Word with you. And for me, um, the real question I had to decide is today, as Bill asked me to come and speak, is can I be an encouragement to your pastor? And Bill, that was truly my motivation in saying yes, because uh, I know what it's like to be in the trenches, and um, and I, I'm usually when I come, the pastor is not here. Usually they've gone someplace else, but it's it's good to um, to come and to be here, and uh, and be an encouragement to you today. We've had quite a journey in our life and ministry. Matter of fact, this weekend we've celebrated our 50th year of of marriage on August 12th, and, um, but we've been celebrating the whole year. We've taken the grandkids to Disney, we took a trip to Israel, uh, we've made a trip to Washington, D.C. with our kids, and uh, it's, been, it's been a great, great time to celebrate and to remember. Um, our journey started, Jane uh, and I met at Grace Bible College, and our first ministry was in Oregon for about nine years. We were out in Oregon, and we came to Michigan. And we were here for 13 years in western Michigan. Most of those years were at Grace Adventures. So that video just brought back a lot, a lot of memories. And kids that went to camp, did you get all the sand out of your ears yet? <laughs> huh? Boy, that's the biggest sandbox you're ever going to find up there at Silver Lake. And... Um, yeah, what a blessing to 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 see that that video and uh, did you guys go on the blob? Did you go on the blob? No, you did. You did. I want you to know. You know, I mean, sometimes we don't have a lot of claims to fame, but one of my claim is I brought the blob to Grace Youth Camp. I saw it one day at a conference, and I said, "Man, we need that." And I had a buddy out in Oregon, and. He, uh, the first blob that came to Grace Youth Camp was, was purchased by a neat Christian man out in Oregon, and he bought the blob so that we could put it in. And um, Tell what the blob is. Oh, my word. The blob is a pre-rapture experience. <laughs> I don't know what the record is, but I have been triple blobbed before. And about the time I reached the height, and I don't know if that height was 30 feet in the air, I was hoping that the Lord would come because I, you don't have any control. You don't know how you're going to land. And um, sometimes you land good. Sometimes you, you do a belly flop. And it, it is painful, but it, it, it is fun. So uh, that was good to see that and to see Paradise Ranch. We had the blessing of while we were at Grace Youth Camp that uh, we actually we were down to nine horses and the board said, we need to get rid of the horses. All they do is eat and poop. <laughs> and you know what? They cost a lot. And all we did at that point, we did some lessons and we did uh, trail rides. And we said, you know, this is just not a wise thing. And then I get an idea that, hey, we don't need an activity. We need a, we need a, a separate, a separate horsemanship camp where the kids live and they they own their own horse and we were separating the activity leaders from ministry all they did was perform a service just like a stable would 
And I said, we need to blend that. And so there came the birth of Paradise Ranch. And we're thinking about, Jim wore her sweatshirt yesterday, Paradise Ranch sweatshirt. But that was a real blessing. But uh, it is a blessing to be here. It's good to see Margaret today. Uh, she's the one person that we really know. Um, we, our next part of our journey, we went to the Philippines, but then for a year, and then we ended up in New York for 19 very special years. And that's how we came to, to know Howard and Margaret. And uh, this year we celebrated uh, his life. And I'm just so encouraged that Margaret's in this congregation. Um, and that I know that through Pastor Bill and the friends and the brothers and sisters in, in Christ, that you are going to care for and nurture and minister to our dear friend and sister in the Lord, Margaret. And we thank you for that. Um, I have to say, we had a very unique uh, celebration of Howard's life. I know a few of you I recognize you were here. We could go Friday, nine days ago we were here. And um, you know it's a unique service when you walk in the foyer and, you know, the, the casket is there. And when you see a smiley face pillow beside the head of the person in the casket, you're scratching your head and saying, what is up with this? You know, what, uh, smiley faces and a dead person in a casket? I mean, that doesn't seem to fit. And then we ended the service with a birthday cake celebration because his celebration service was on his 87th birthday and we ended the service with a birthday cake for the family and singing happy birthday so uh, you know that there's got to be a unique person um, that would put those kind of elements into in, into their celebration of life service matter of fact mark i don't think i shared this with you but one of the funeral directors commented to me um that through the service, and he made mention of the pillow, and he says, we've, we've had a lot of services through this funeral home. We've never had anybody sing happy birthday. And he says, Howard was quite a unique man. And he said, I really felt like I met Howard today. And I thought, what a really great statement for a funeral director to make. And hopefully, he also knew that what made Howard Howard was his relationship with Jesus Christ. That makes all the difference in the world. Well, this morning, I would like you to meet someone. Not Howard. Most of you know him. And we'll be together with him someday. But I would like you to meet a young man. And at the time we're going to read about him, he's probably 17 years old. And his name is Mephibosheth. Can you say that with me again without, you know, getting stuck on anything? Mephibosheth. Now, who in the world is Mephibosheth? I can tell you who he He's probably someone that, uh, as some of you may think of um, having children in the future, and think, what am I going to name my baby boy? I don't think too many of you are going to say, I'm going to name him Mephibosheth. I mean, we have enough craziness that happens at school, and we need to pray for our students. I respect them so much, and 
one of the things that uh, just tears at me is when I see a world we live in of, of bullying. And I'll guarantee you that if you had the name of Mephibosheth and you went to school, um, that, that would be the blunt of, uh, of maybe some ridicule. The name Mephibosheth has an interesting meaning. And I'm going to give it to you now, but I want you to reflect back on the meaning of his name when we land our service today. The meaning of the name Mephibosheth is exterminator of shame. Exterminator of shame. Huh. So the guy that might get picked on might be called the exterminator of bullies. Shame. Usually bullying comes because somebody wants to shame you. But think about that meaning, and we're going to come back to it at the end of our message today. Um, Where we read about Mephibosheth primarily is in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verses 1 to 13. I'd like you to, uh, if you have your Bibles, I've got the 1984 edition. I've been using this since 1984. Um, and um, that's the what I have here that might, some of the uh, scriptures may come up on the screen for you, but if you have your Bibles, um, this morning my desire is not that you hear from a man, but that you hear the Word of God and that the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart this morning. Can we pray to that end this morning? Father, thank you for the blessing of being here today. Lord, I thank you for the time of worship. I thank you for the songs that Pastor Bill has chosen for us to think about who you are, Lord, and the character and, Lord, the great God that you are, that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And, Lord, it almost seems too good to be true that you would be interested in us. But, Father, we we thank you for that. And I pray this morning that as we gather that you would um, strengthen us, Lord, in our faith. Father, uh, every day is a different day. We're needy people. Father, only you know the hearts of those that have gathered today. Father, you know uh, what their need may be. And I pray, Lord, that this morning you would strengthen the um, faith. Lord, I pray that also that we would be encouraged today that we would be encouraged to be faithful in following, um, following our Lord Jesus Christ, Father. We commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Second Samuel chapter 9. Let's read verses 1 to 5, and we're going to kind of read a section of Scripture, and then we're going to come back and, and reflect and We're going to take the scripture. One thing I like to do is if you can imagine a sponge, we're going to squeeze on it, okay? And um, we want to squeeze and and, um, understand and actually end up uh, seeing what we can apply in our lives today. But let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 9 where we read about Mephibosheth. David asked, Is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake. Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They called him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba, your, your servant? He replied. 
The king asked, Is there no one still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness? Show God's kindness. Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he? the king asked. Ziba answered, He is at the house of Makar, son of Amiel, in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lobar, from the house of Megir, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, oh, so we're going to stop at verse 5 right now. We'll hit the pause button there at verse 5. So as uh, we, we start this uh, section, we find that David, David is on the lookout. David is looking for Mephibosheth. We don't know at this point if David really had ever met Mephibosheth. Obviously, he had not met Ziba, um, the servant, who we find out is kind of like a caregiver for Mephibosheth. And, um, but we do know that David knew his relatives. David knew his grandfather, King Saul. And David knew King Saul's son, Jonathan. Matter of fact, I don't know what kind of friend you have, but boy, it's always special when God places one friend in your life to be an encouragement to you. And, and for David, that one friend was, was Jonathan. And they had a very, very close and a strong relationship. And David definitely knew them. But, you know, David's on the lookout, and he's not necessarily looking for Mephibosheth at this point. He's looking for uh, someone in Jonathan, and it also says in Saul's household that he can show kindness to. Now the question is, especially if you lived in that day, um, matter of fact, this time frame, and we'll talk a little bit more about it, this time frame was a very crazy time in the history of Israel. Seems like Israel's history is always like a roller coaster. And it was, there were difficult days. And um, so one question to ask is, why was David looking for Mephibosheth? Now, we got to remember that, um, you know, you know about David, the shepherd boy. He took care of business with Goliath. And then, even as Saul proved himself to be an unfaithful and ungodly leader, there's a seed that's planted. And David, as a young boy, <laughs> was chosen to be king. Now, he was chosen, but that actually didn't happen for many, many years because who was the king of Israel? Saul was. But as David grew and and because I believe of his godliness, um, he, was, he was outstanding. He was a godly leader. And uh, matter of fact, they used to sing these songs in Israel's. Um, Saul, Saul, King Saul, you have slain your thousands. But then they added new verses to this song. And they said, yeah, but David, David, you have slayed your... Ten thousands. And so all of a sudden, 
Saul is on the decline, and even though King David isn't, isn't officially king yet, David's on the rise. And Saul is threatened. He's threatened because he wants his son. The, the son who should be the king next would be Jonathan. That's who he, and isn't it interesting that God placed the friendship with David and Jonathan? Well, David became jealous. He became envious. He was angry with, with David. And that anger led him to pursue David and actually try to kill him. And we know of at least three instances where David's life was threatened. And uh, matter of fact, one of the blessings of, of our trip to Israel, we, went, we were in an area called Engedi. And this area is where we took probably about a five or six mile hike, just up a, following a stream, and there's these little caves all the way. And in one of those caves, and our guide, Professor Long, he says, well, you know, there's a lot of things we don't know. We do not know if this is the cave, but we would look at this cave, we look at this cave. I wanted to go inside, but we didn't have time to do it. But there's one cave in particular that was larger. There was actually, the stream had a little waterfall at this point, and you'd want to get water. And, and Professor Long said, well, you know, this could have been, and if not this one, it's within 50 feet probably, or 100 feet of where we're at. But just to be hiking and to be at the place where this happened was just incredible. But at that one spot, if you remember, Saul went in and he went to sleep. David was in the cave and he came out and David caught, uh, cut, a piece, cut a piece of Saul's garment and he could have killed him. All of David's soldiers said, this is the opportunity the Lord has given. Let's take care of business and we're going to end the life of this king who is trying to kill you. And David said, I will not lay my hand on the king's anointed. So I share this background just to let you know, this was really politically crazy, crazy time. There was, there's going to be a, um, what do they call it? Um, there's going to be a power surge, not electrical, but there's going to be a void and somebody's going to want to fill that power. Now, we know that God's hand is on David. We know that ultimately it's going to be David. But because of this um, really difficult situation, um, it was a good question to ask, why would David want to find Mephibosheth? Because there were those, and we're going to see in a minute, that people were on the run. Matter of fact... One of Saul's sons was made king over the northern tribes of Israel. So there was a period of time where there were two kings. And, and there was the thought that just as Saul wanted to take David's life, that David was going to want to eliminate competition. So if you were of the descent of Saul, what, what, um, what David wanted to do would be to find you and to eliminate the threat. Now that wasn't the heart of David, and we're going to see that even as we continue to read here in 2 Samuel chapter 9. 
But this question of why, why was David interested in finding Mephibosheth? Because he was in the line. He was the son of Jonathan. And there were those that thought, oh, he only wants to know where Mephibosheth is so he can eliminate him. But I want you to know this morning that um, that David's intent was not to find Mephibosheth and, and to kill him. He was not threatened because he knew that God's hand was on his life. He was secure in that. And this was definitely not the case. So the question still remains... Um, why did why did David want to find Mephibosheth? And then let's find out who is this Mephibosheth. Well, we find out David finds uh, discovers that there's a in verse two that one of Saul's servants named Ziba that he would be able to help, and he knew about uh, this young man Mephibosheth and. Probably at that time, I say he's probably about 17 years old. And um, why did David want to find him? Look at verse, um, verse 1. says that he wanted to find someone of Saul, the house of Saul, to whom I can show kindness to for Jonathan's sake. He wants to find Mephibosheth so that he can show kindness to him. And so that he can honor Mephibosheth's father and his dear friend, Jonathan. That is the intent of David's heart. It could be so far away from thinking of wanting to take, to take his life. Anyways, Ziba knows where, um, where Jonathan is. The other thing that's interesting that we learn about Mephibosheth Let's see, verse, um, verse 3, the king asked again, is there no one still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered, there is still the son of Jonathan. He is crippled in both feet. So he had a disability. As I mentioned, these are very difficult days in the history of Israel and uh, one thing that I got to tell you, I'm glad that I went to Israel at the age I am. I wish I could have gone maybe 20 years earlier, but it is physical. Walking over there, you're like a billy goat all the time. You know, I always used to wonder why in scriptures it said then the people always went up to Israel. I thought if I'm going to go, we're going to go up, we're going to go up north, right? Anybody ever go up north? Well, I think it's up on the map as north. Uh-uh. No matter which direction you right walk into Israel, you're always walking up. And it was just um, very, very physical. So getting around was physical. When, you, when you've got um, pressures and people are chasing you, and if they're chasing you with spears and swords, that makes it even more difficult. But can you imagine this? Having to move and get around, and you're crippled. They didn't have electric wheelchairs. They didn't have the paved uh, wheelchair ramps or anything like that. Uh, it was rough territory, and I'm sure it was rough, a rough life for 
Mephibosheth, who was very, very uh, needy. Let's read about uh, how, you know, how did he become crippled? We need to go back in uh, 2 Samuel a little bit. Again, you get the flavor of the heat of the day because um, Ishbosheth was one of Saul's son who became king of the north. And his kingdom fell. We read about that in chapter 4, verse 1. It says, When Ishbosheth, son of Saul, heard that Abner had died, that was his general, he lost courage. <laughs> he got nervous when his number one general died, and all Israel became alarmed. Now Saul's son had two men who were leaders of raiding bands. One named Banah, and the other Recap. And they were sons of Ramon, the Barathite of the tribe of Benjamin. Barath is considered part of Benjamin because the people of Barath fled to Gedatim and have lived there as aliens to this day. Now verse 4. Jonathan, son of Saul, had a son who was lame in both feet. He was five years old when news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. His nurse picked him up and fled. As she hurried to leave, he fell and became crippled. And his name is Mephibosheth. Again, people were on the run. It was crazy time. People, they really, the thought was there that, the, that David was going to combat uh, Saul's um, lineage, he was going to try to destroy them. Again, that was not David's intent at all. And in the process of all the craziness, and since I've been to Israel now, I can just imagine, I don't know where they were running from, but it's just cr crazy um, walking, and, and you could fall really easy, and we don't know if he fell and Nurse fell on top of him, or if he fell and she dropped him and he fell and rolled down a, an embankment, we don't know what happened, but the end result was as that this five-year-old boy became disabled. So what is David doing? David is wanting to show kindness. Uh, not, uh, not because Saul's family deserved it. Let's just think about this a minute. Did Saul's family deserve anything? They were, they were trying to kill David. They were threatened by David. They, they wanted to see David eliminated. But David's heart was to show kindness, to show God's grace to his family. How many of you know that grace is not something that we deserve? <laughs> you know, actually, grace is when God's hand is on our life and he blesses us, he shows kindness to us, he meets our need, when we not only don't deserve it, but we deserve the exact opposite of what we're receiving. That is God's grace. You know, it shouldn't surprise us that David responds this way because David is going back to what comes natural. Before David was a warrior, 
Before David was a king, before David was the musician that played and and a lot of the songs we sing come from the Psalms and some of our worship songs. Before he was a musician and a worship leader, what was David? He was a shepherd. What does a shepherd do? He takes care. He responds to their needs. Do those stinky, crazy sheep deserve it? They don't. You know, they're always going off and getting in trouble, and, and um, they didn't deserve it. But David went back, back to his roots. And I don't know if perhaps Psalm 23 might have been ringing in his ears that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesakes. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. David knew that that was the kind of shepherd that he had in his life. And guess what? David wanted to be that kind of shepherd, and he wanted to show show goodness. Ultimately, I think David, and we're going to see this as we wrap things up this morning, that David is a picture. We might even use the word a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know he too was the shepherd in John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. David's motivation was pure. Um, he truly desired to show grace to the household of Saul and specifically to Jonathan's son Mephibosheth. Let's read about that blessing in the second half of this text in 2 Samuel chapter 9. We end up by reading at verse 6, when Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay honor to the king. David said to Mephibosheth, your servant, he replied, don't be afraid. David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father. For the sake of your father, Jonathan, I will Restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul 
and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. And Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, Your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the table, at the king's table, and he was crippled in both feet. What a blessing. What grace that King David shows this young boy who's had a hard life. How many of you know that life is hard? I don't know what's brought into your life lately, but I know I've lived long enough to know that um, life, life, life is hard. Um, we live in a fallen world, a fallen world where things like even accidents and young boys getting paralyzed, these things can happen. It's hard to see purpose in it, but boy, through this account, we truly see the desire of David to show, show grace, and we also see the neediest, neediness of mankind through the life of Mephibosheth. But David's desire is to do two things. Restore all the land that his grandfather, King Saul, owned to restore it to him. Uh, one thing that I was impressed with in Israel was the farms. There's a lot of desert over there, and I don't know where this water comes from, but they get water, and some of the best fruit and vegetables I've ever eaten in my life, we had every every day. It was just incredible. And um, so the servants of Ziba and the children of Ziba were the ones who took care of this farm to meet uh, Mephibosheth's needs, and also... Also, uh, Mephibosheth had the blessing of eating at the table of the king as one of the sons of the king. Now, as we wrap things up this morning, and perhaps you can um, think through this, that there's, there's some real application as we think about David and Mephibosheth. As I said, we, we, we see that mankind's in great need. Romans 3 uh, Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men, because all have sinned. Romans 3.23 tells us, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it's because of sin and the fallen world that we live in that we have to deal with issues like disease, death, um, and even eternal death and separation from God. And as we think about Mephibosheth, his life represents that of being needy. But we also see the blessing of God's provision. And I, as I said, David, I think, is a type. He's a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ 
and the grace that we have in Him. That uh, in Ephesians 2, 1 to 5, we read, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. We're going to go to verse 2. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the rule of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. You know, we were objects of shame. We needed an exterminator of wrath. We need an exterminator of shame. And verse 4 tells us, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. Do you see how Mephibosheth, in his great need, and David's response is a picture of how the Lord Jesus Christ has responded by his grace, and he has made us alive. And he's not only made us alive for eternity. I don't know. Um, I think one of the things that we challenge in our spiritual growth journey is, is that as we live this life, I think we struggle with, am I going to let God have control of my life or am I going to take control? Uh, I think we're sometimes afraid that if I let God take control of my life, I'm going to lose something. You're not going to lose anything. I think Mephibosheth had to, it's hard to receive grace. You know, Mephibosheth, I mean, what a terrible place to be in your life when you think all I am is a dead dog. I'm useless. I am of no value at all. Well, you're of value because the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords wants to respond to your needs and to give you your grace and in Romans chapter 8, verse 15 and 16. Did we get that one to come up? Romans 8, 15 and 16. I really pre- I didn't know these were going to come up. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of some sonship, and by him we cry, Abba Father. And verse 16 says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And as God's children, guess what? We have a seat at the table of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I got another message, but I'm going to have to hold on to it. But Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 8, tells us of the great blessing that we've been chosen, that we've been forgiven, that we've been adopted into the family of God. And we have a seat at the table of the king. And that God, when he comes into our life, we read uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, tells us it's by grace we've been saved through faith, not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. But verse 10 says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for the purpose of good works. David knew that God's mercy and blessing had been on his life. And you know what he wanted to do? He wanted 
to share that blessing. This morning, I want to encourage us that as we have been benefactors of God's grace and mercy, that we would want to share that. As we end, I have one more thought I want to share with you, but before I do that, I've got a song I asked Bill to get us ready for, to close with, and it's the song, Child of the One True King. Think about the person you've met today as we, as we listen to this song, Child of the One True King. Whoa,
Hello. My name is Dead Dog. Hello. My name is Mephibosheth. The exterminator of shame. It's God's grace that does a work in our hearts as we respond. And as we close, just have a couple questions for you to think about. Do you have a seat at the table? Are you a child of the one true king? Have you come to the point in your life where you've seen that in your neediness, the greatest need you have is for a savior, for a shepherd? I would invite you to respond to that grace. John 1, 12 tells us that yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children of the one true king. And if you are at a point where you know with assurance that I've received the grace of God, can I encourage you this morning Make it your goal, make it your life mission to be a reflector of God's grace in your life. Look for opportunities. Ask the Lord for opportunities. I know uh, we've been doing a lot of celebrating, like I said, and I tell you, God has really uh, seen us on a journey over the last 50 years of blessing, of difficulties, of blessing in difficulties. Um... Boy, we could talk for a long time. I think that's what we're going to do in heaven is we're going to share stories. But, um, you know, we thought, we've been doing a lot. We don't need to do a whole lot. And I thought, we like to ride bikes. I said, Jim, let's go someplace in Michigan that we can go and ride bikes. And we'll stay a couple nights someplace and find a nice place to eat. And that'll be a simple, focused anniversary. Well, then come together. And then Jen showed me last month's visa bill. And because uh, we had been doing some traveling in Washington, D.C., and she said, well, maybe we don't need to go anyplace. I said, okay, we live in Grand Hay. We got bike paths all around us. Let's just take a nice ride, and we'll go out to breakfast. That was the goal. We're going to go out to breakfast. My son John joined us. We went to a favorite place that we like to go for breakfast. They actually had relocated and just opened up, and we got there and had a great breakfast, and I was watching, and I was seeing stress on the, there was one man who was the owner and a a young gal who was a waitress and everything else. And I could see the stress and she sat and said, we can get you a table right now, but we're really a little behind that we we're short on staff. You ever heard that when you go to a restaurant, we're short on staff. I can recommend if some of you guys want to get a job, I can recommend a place to get a job. So I'm just watching and we're enjoying our breakfast, but, um, the, the owners apologize. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot to, forgot to bring your silver. Oh, well, I, it'll be right here. We'll get the, and I just, I, I'm watching them and, and I'm watching people come in the door and then I'm watching that the tables aren't being bust and I looked at Jan and John, I says, do we have any place we have to be this morning? Or, you know, and they said, no. I said, okay, I got an idea. So I went up to the owner and I said, sir, you don't know me. I don't know you. I like coming here for breakfast. But I can tell that you're, you're missing some help. I said, I've got a little bit of background with, um, with some food service stuff. Could, 
could I help bust the tables for you? And I don't want to mess with any insurance problems or, you know, OSHA or anything like that. And he says, you really want to, why would you, you why would you want to do that? I says, well, we want to celebrate our, our anniversary. And the re- way we stay together 50 years is by serving. That's the way you, you stay together. And he said, okay, if you want to. Well, I started busting tables. I went back and I realized why they weren't busting tables. I went back, there was a mountain of dishes. They didn't have any place to take the dishes. And all of a sudden, John's wondering, where'd that go? And mom said, I think he's going to go bust tables. And uh, so they joined me. And we stayed there for two hours. And we caught those people up. And... Um, and you know, it, it was just it was a it was a blessing to share and to be gracious. And I never expected when I took that bike ride what God was going to open up. And that's kind of exciting thing about living life. Can I encourage you to ask God to open up opportunities that if you're a child of the one true King, that you can also be a reflector of His grace and kindness. Father, thank you for the blessing of being here today. Lord, uh, thank you for. Um, Thank you for the Lord Jesus. Lord, thank you of his grace, the grace that sent him to, to, uh, to the earth, Lord, to, to provide um, what was necessary for our salvation, for offering the perfect sacrifice for our sin. Um, Lord, thank you that you've shown us your love, that even while we were yet sinners, that you died for us. Lord, I pray that as people of faith that we would keep your grace close to our heart, Lord, and that we would allow your grace to flow through us to a world that is full of need. Thank you for the blessing of being here today. And, and um, Lord, we acknowledge uh, that you truly are the one true God that you are the only ruler, that you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal, who lives in an inapproachable light that no one has seen or can see. To you be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen.